Hello and welcome to All That Trauma, episode number three. This one is called Watch Me Heal This, and I'm so excited that you're back here with me today. And if you've not had a moment, please feel free to subscribe and follow wherever it is that you get your podcast so that you don't have to miss out on any future episodes like this one. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a five-star review so that this content can get out to others just like you who may need to hear about All That Trauma. So today we're going to be doing a little dive into the ACEs study. And for anyone who is not familiar with what that is, uh, ACEs actually stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this. So this study was done back in 1998, and it started in an obesity clinic. And there was a doctor who was dealing with patients who were uh, obese and they would lose weight, but then they would gain it all back and then they'd lose weight and they'd gain it back. And he was really trying to understand what was causing this. And at one point, one of his patients revealed to him that she had been raped by her grandfather in her childhood. So from age 10 on, and with that information, he started asking other patients about their childhood experiences and really started connecting the dots there. He told other doctors about this and those doctors started noticing the connection as well. And with that, they started this study. So they connected with Kaiser Permanente and they did this huge study. It had over 17,000 people and they were given a quiz regarding their upbringings. So it had 10 questions on it. They narrowed these abuses down to the top 10 prevalent abuses, uh, those being physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, a family member with a mental illness, a family member with substance abuse, a family member in prison, witnessing abuse to a mother, and losing a parent to separation, divorce, or death. So out of these 10 things, they formulated 10 questions that connected to those, and then they gave you a score. So in this, you could get a score from zero to 10. A zero would be no adverse childhood experience, and a 10 would be the highest that you could get, saying that you connected with each of those traumas. So with each of those traumas comes a multitude of conditions that you're going to have to deal with mentally and physically um, throughout adulthood. But the higher the ACE score, the higher the risk for chronic disease, including heart disease, lung cancer, diabetes, autoimmune disease, depression, becoming victims of violence and suicide. So those are, are big factors in this. And two incredible things that they noticed were that two-thirds of the adults reported having at least one of those adverse childhood traumas. And 87% of those had reported having more than one. And then there was another 12.6 that reported having four or more. Now, those with four or more on the ACE um, survey that they did was considered a serious risk. And the reason for that was because the statistics just seemed to catapult from that number. For instance, the likelihood of pulmonary lung disease increased by 390%. Hepatitis increased by 240%. Depression increased by 460%. Injectable drug abuse increased by 4,600%. And attempted suicide increased by 1,220%. So these numbers are out of control. And they noticed also that there was a high correlation with people that had one or two of these would often find that they, they had three or four or five because they seemed to come in clusters. For instance, you know, an alcoholic parent would come home and be, you know, maybe abusive or neglectful. Or in my case, it was a, a father that has had severe mental illness. And with that, all the other abuses became byproducts of his mental illness. So 
That being said, the statistics are out of control with this. You know, you can go online and look at at further um, statistics, but I'll mention a few more here, like alcoholics. Um, So for those who had a score of just one, 5% of those would become alcoholics, while if they had a score of four or more, 16% of those turned to alcohol. Um, Smoking, 6% of those with no A score, saying they had zero adverse childhood experiences, would become smokers, while 13% of those, if they had a score of four or more, became smokers. Um, becoming a victim of rape later on in life. So those with no trauma, in or childhood trauma rather, 5% of those would report becoming a victim of rape later on in life, while 33% of those with an A score of four or more reported becoming a victim of rape later on in life. Um, there's other numbers, you know, chronic depression and suicide attempts are, are just out of control. And so I'm sure that you're under, you're asking the question, why? Like what would cause this, these kind of numbers? Because they are out of control. They're off the charts. And there is one main reason, one serious factor, and that's going to be toxic stress. So with toxic stress, um, being in an environment of toxic stress um, is something that can be detrimental later on in life um, because stress is normal. So even in childhood, there's positive stress. That's going to be just the regular stresses that a kid goes through, you know, losing a family pet. And it's like such an awful event for a child. But with somebody, a loved one or an adult there to kind of see them through that and teach them through that and, and help them grow through that, it becomes a good thing where they're learning how to deal with stress throughout their regular life. However, toxic stress is completely different. That's something that refers to strong, frequent, and prolonged activation of the body's stress management system. So stressful events that are chronic, they're uncontrollable, and they're experienced continuously without the child having access to support from caring adults. So this chronic stress in childhood teaches the body to be armed and remain in the fight, flight, or freeze zone. So the body is always on guard. It's always on high alert. And in doing this, the stress hormones are continuously being pumped into the body, even into adulthood. So those stress hormones are going to be your adrenaline and your cortisol. So the adrenaline production, that occurs in response to all forms of acute stress. So those short-term stresses, and it's meant to increase your heart rate, elevate your blood pressure, and boost your energy supply. Cortisol goes along with that and it does about the same thing, but it increases the sugar glucose in the bloodstream. It enhances the brain's use of that glucose. And then it shifts off all the non-essential processes that aren't needed for fight and flight. That's gonna be your immune system. It's gonna suppress your digestive system, your reproductive system, and your growth processes. It also communicates with the brain regions that control your mood, your motivation, and your fear. So you can understand that if the body doesn't turn off the production of those hormones, there's going to be long-term effects. So those long-term effects are going to be your anxiety, your depression, your digestive problems, headaches, heart disease, sleep problems, weight gain, memory, and concentration impairment. Now, during the same time that that ACE study was being done, there was another study that was being done that kind of coincided with it. And so what they did is that they did a study of the child's brain uh, during brain development. So that's going to be from from birth on through about seven or eight years old. And what they recognize is that prolonged exposure to toxic stress, especially during the most important brain growth periods, actually changes the architecture of their brain, specifically the amygdala and the hippocampus, which are vital for memory, stress, and emotion. So the areas of the brain that involved fear, anxiety, and impulsive responses overproduce neurons, while the areas that are made for reasoning, 
behavioral control, and planning produced fewer neural connections. So with stress hormones continuously pumped into the body and the brain shifts that are happening during childhood, as well as the reactions to just simple situations like stress, uh, you can imagine why adolescents are turning to things like smoking and drinking and other high-risk behaviors. And those are the contributing factors to all the chronic diseases like heart diseases, cancers, premature pregnancies, um, obesities. So you can see why catching this early on and fighting this early on is going to be super, super important. So I'm sure you're wondering what it's like living um, into adulthood after coming from the toxic stress environment. And so I'm going to just kind of talk about that a little bit, kind of a day in the life of me and what it's like um, going through some of these things now. Now that I understand that I um, did develop PTSD from this, I did not know that in my 20s. And so I really just dealt with everything the way that it came. And of course, I woke up stressed and freaked out just like I do now. But in my 20s, I did turn to those things that cause all of those chronic diseases, the smoking and uh, the drinking and all of those things. And had I continued those things, I definitely, definitely would fall into these other statistics uh, that I just went over with you. Uh, But now in my 30s, I know how to cope with those things a little bit better. Um, However, life is not a walk in the park. I would just be lying if I said that it was. Um, But to start out, firstly, toxic stress later on in life presents itself in regulation issues. So that's going to be your sleep disturbances, eating issues, increased anxiety, aggression, and hyperactivity. Um, And when I read those, I was like, okay, yeah, that's exactly. (laughs) Actually, when I read all of the things that go with all of the things, it blows my mind because it's like reading kind of definitions of myself. But um, so firstly, for me, starting out, when I wake up in the morning, that is the most difficult part of my day by far, because I wake up so overwhelmed and stressed out and freaked out about every possible thing you can imagine. And it's not crazy things like, you know, I've got a test coming up or something like that. Like heaven forbid that happened, then (laughs) I don't even sleep at all. But in this kind of just a regular everyday situation, I wake up freaked out about everything regular, like um, things about work, how I could have done work better, um, what I'm going to cook for dinner, if I have this stuff in the fridge, and if not, what time I'm going to go to the store and how the kids are doing in school. And I've got to make my coffee. And then am I eating healthy? And how did I eat yesterday? And what could I have done better? And I have to get my workout in and what time am I going to do it? And what things am I going to do in my workout? And should I have said this yesterday? And how could I have said this better? And how did I do as a mom yesterday? And how am I going to do it better today? And the trunk of my car is a mess. Like that's an actual thought. I actually had that thought, you know, multiple times in the past few weeks. I'm like, man, I really need to clean out the trunk of my car, but it becomes almost emergency, almost panic stricken, um, thought processes. Um, I'll think about things that maybe I should apologize for saying this and should I have said this better and thoughts of my schedule and every thought that I have is completely disorganized. It's never just a complete thought. It's never like, okay, I've got to pay my bills today. Simple, simple as that. It's nothing like that. It is, it's kind of like a line of disorganized thoughts all over the place, just messed up. And then you've got another line of the exact same messed up thoughts and another line of that and another line of that. So in the morning, when I wake up with all of those thoughts, I'm straight up panicked. And so I have to, the only thing that I can do to combat this every morning is to be mindful of exactly what I'm thinking 
and I have to mindfully tell myself to slow down. And so in that, then I, I take a moment and I say, hold on, just get up, make your coffee and go pay AT&T whatever it is. And I know that it seems so simple, um, but whenever you wake up panic, totally panic stricken like that, it's not easy to overcome that. Um, that has become more of a training thing that I've had to do. Um, and then if I'm under some real stress, like if there really is a stressful thing going on at work, or there really is, you know, a situation where, you know, if I've gotten a new job or something like that, or, you know, my, one of my daughters is going through something, then it, it is something that is very, very, very hard to overcome. And then the craziest nights will be the nights when my body wakes up at like four in the morning and it's like, hey, let's think. And that's, that's it. It just wakes up. And then I'm just thinking all of these thoughts completely panicked and stressed out. And so that is how every single one of my morning starts. I cannot tell you a single day that I woke up peaceful. I just don't wake up like that. Even on, if I think about vacation, when I've woken up on vacation, I'll wake up thinking all the things that could go wrong or should have gone wrong or how I need to do this and what we're going to do that day. It, it can be all the greatest things and I can be in the greatest position and yet still have panic stricken thoughts. And so I know now, I understand now that it's just my plague and, and um, it is, it's difficult, but it is, it is what it is. And there is, there are things that you can do, you know, taking medications and things of that nature, but I understand that those keep me outside of myself and I don't feel myself. And um, for that reason, I try to do things that are outside of that. And I really use that as last resort, but those, those things are there and that is the beginning of every one of my days. Um, and then of course, with all of those thoughts, you know, I have all of the range of emotions that go with those as well. Panic, sadness, frustration, hurt, anger. So it is not just a simple, a simple laying there and thinking it's all the emotions. And if it's something that's sad or something I'm going through, heaven forbid, a breakup or something like that, then it'll just be full on tears and I'll just be there crying. And sometimes if I don't think to think, if I just let my subconscious go, then after about an hour of feeling those feelings, I'll be like, oh my God, I just went through a lot. <laughs> I just went through, there were tons of super high highs and tons of super low lows. And I just went through every single one of those in whatever time span that that was when I woke up and it's awful. So that's kind of how I start my morning. And that's part of, that is part of PTSD. And then throughout the rest of the day, and I'm trying to stay um, in the stress zone right now to understand um, coming out of toxic stress and how your body is always on guard. And since your body's always fueling yourself with cortisol and adrenaline, um, because of that, that's what's causing all these stressful things. So I'm really going to try to stay in that zone. But on top of that zone of stress throughout the entire day, you have the other things that you're combating that come with just um, the different traumas that you've dealt with. So with each trauma, there are specific issues that connect with each of those traumas, you know, um, if it's abandonment issues and things like that. So those are other things that um, I'm not going to talk on today because I'll have separate episodes for that. But those are things that I combat as well throughout the day and, and being reactive to certain situations and how I could have reacted differently had it not been for those trauma things that set my mind in a certain a certain zone or a certain, you know, geared me up for reacting a certain way. Um, so outside of that, 
with the stress. Um, there's the trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, I've gotten a lot better about falling asleep because clearly throughout the day, everything that you're going through is super exhausting um, with your body thinking it's stressed out all the time. So now I've learned to meditate. And that is something that is pretty new to me um, because before I used to just think that was a little weird. Um, but really, meditation doesn't have to be weird. It's literally just thinking about what you're thinking about pretty much. Just slowing yourself down. And, and if it means just thinking about your feet or thinking about your breathing or moving your fingers and slowing down your thoughts, um, just so you can get a handle on yourself. And then... I fall asleep really, really quick. So there's that. Um, and then staying asleep. I've told y'all that I woke up, you know, in the middle of the night and I do that all the time. So that one's a little bit different, uh, more difficult than falling asleep for me. Um, concentration issues. So I have major concentration issues. Now, the cool thing is that when I get super manic and super excited about something, then I can totally be in the zone and I can totally concentrate on that. With work, I love my job. I love what I do. So I can get in the zone and be like, yeah, I did great on this one. And with the next location, I'm going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And because of my stress, sometimes that fuels that and I allow it to fuel that. So that's a good thing in that way. Um, but outside of that, if I'm at home, and I'm trying to do one thing or the other, it is very easy for me to stop in the middle of doing something. And legit, I'm talking like in the middle of doing dishes and then move on to vacuuming. And then in the middle of vacuuming, um, starting to work, like do work for work. And then after three or four things, I'm like, oh, I didn't even finish what I started. And that happens all, a lot. Um, and that's another thing where it's just kind of letting your subconscious run. You're not being mindful of what you're doing. Um, those things I'm working on. So hopefully my forties <laughs> will be a lot easier than my thirties, but that's what I deal with now. Um, consistent worry, a uh, consistent worry. That's another part of PTSD as well. Just worrying, um, in general, worrying for the future, worrying of well-being, worrying about my kids' well-being and worrying if they're getting bullied and things like that. And how do I ask them about that and worrying about, just parenting skills altogether. Like those worry is very, very prevalent in my life. I've had people that will mention that to me. Oh, don't worry. You know, it's not a big thing or whatever, but it's consistent um, with me. Um, and outside of just worrying on general things, it's worrying if I did this right, or if I said this right, or how I could do this better, or how I could help in this situation. And that's constant. Um, some people would call it stress. Some people call it worry. To me, the two coincide, but that's a very big part. Um, flashbacks. So flashbacks are also a very big part of PTSD. Now for me, I know that I dealt with that uh, during childhood a lot um, because of the experiences that I had had. But for the most part, that stuff just went away. Uh, it wasn't until I started really reading a lot of the stuff that I've, so I've been doing research on my own stuff, going, you know, to um, getting papers from police departments and court records and stuff like that. Um, and more recently, I did some, some digging that I wanted to find out stuff on. <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words to say. Um, and then, um, for instance, and I'll just come out there is going to be sexual abuse. And with reading the words that I read, it immediately took me back. And I did start having flashbacks for a few months. Um, and even now, uh, and that's, 
something I've had to straight up pray about. Like I have had to pray that away because I didn't realize that that would bring that um, into my life. And it did. And that became difficult for a little while. But outside of that, flashbacks, those things are prevalent in certain situations. Um, The other thing is going to be with like um, taking showers. If I take uh, part of the issue that I have um, is going to be one of the triggers that I have is if I'm taking a shower and the water goes cold, then I'll have a full-blown panic attack. And that's because that was one of the abuses that I dealt with. And it is just like, just like I'm in that moment. And there is nothing that I can do to come up over that. There's nothing that I can do to tell myself, hey, you are not in that moment right now. You are totally good. That does not work in that moment. In that moment, it's uh, it's terrifying, I guess is the best descriptive word for that. And um, so that, that kind of goes in with flashbacks as well. Um, weight gain and weight loss. Now that's part of um, just dealing with the stress, you know, going up and down, up and down. Um, so in some kind of ways, it's stress eating and some kind of ways it's not eating because of stress that I'm going to get too big or whatever. So that's part of it. Um, the good thing is, is that I, I definitely have a handle on that and I'll talk about that here in a moment, but that's one of the things that I deal with as well. Um, and then I put this here, cannot stop moving now, cannot stop moving to me. I was like, what is the trauma that causes cannot start, stop moving? Like, I didn't know how best to describe that. And right when I put that in there, of course, ADHD pops up and I'm like, what the heck? Like, this is something I've never even, I never even labeled myself as someone with ADHD. And what's terrible is that every single thing I read on that is exactly what I deal with when I'm talking about, you know, going from like throughout the day, just A, B, C, D, like it just doesn't stop. And with my kids, you know, sometimes they'll just want me, hey mom, let's just watch a movie. And to me, I feel this constant, I've always thought that it was like the constant need that there's something that always needs to be done. There's something more that could be done, or I could be doing something else. If I know that there's laundry in the dryer, or I know that I could be working, or I know I could be writing, but what's the truth? The truth is that in reading everything about ADHD, clearly I have it, (laughs) you know, and I don't, I'm tired of putting labels on myself because there's so much that I deal with but it is what it is. That's what I deal with. Um, it's a, it's a real thing and it's something that's a part of my life. So now that I know that that's what I'm dealing with, clearly I'm going to have to find ways to come up over that. (laughs) And I'll let y'all know how that, how that goes, you know, a little while down the line, but for right now, that's something that I'm just kind of finding out about myself. Another part of, um, PTSD and something that is very prevalent in my life right now is going to be noises and sounds. So there's something called misophonia and this is your startle response. This is something I didn't even know in my twenties. Again, all of this, all of this crap, literally that's what all this stuff is. I dealt with in my twenties and in my twenties, I just thought, I guess everybody dealt with it, but I was totally overwhelmed by it. So I dealt with it how I needed to, but like startle response was a big part of it. And it's still a big part of it. Like I cannot be startled, um, especially on purpose. You know, I let my kids know that they know that like, Hey, it's no joke. And you're not going to have a good response if you come at me that way. And they know that. And so it's easier for me to deal with it. Cause I come up in front of it and tell them up front. Um, But outside of that is going to be noises and sounds, like sharp noises, sharp sounds, um, things that come out of nowhere. That's 
they do make me uh, agitated is the word that they use, but it actually makes me angry for a moment. And then I, I stop. Um, but I'm very sensitive to it. I'm very sensitive to all noises and they're frustrating to me (laughs) and clearly noises are everywhere. So you can understand how going through that, going throughout my day with all of that, uh, is not easy. Um, now all of that being said, I know that all of that sounds exhausting and that is only the tip of the iceberg because with, as I mentioned, each trauma, there comes other things with just like, oh my God, depressions and, um, pushing people away and all the different things that are associated with every single trauma. So dealing with all of that and then having stress just dumped on top of it is not easy. And for that reason, that is why people turn to crazy things, things that are not healthy for them. And that is the reason for chronic diseases. Um, If you're smoking your entire life to get through those situations, you're going to be dealing with cancers down the line. You're going to be dealing with lung diseases down the line, heart diseases. So you have to really, really get your hand on this. The best way to turn those statistics around are to find healthier ways to cope with whatever it is that you're dealing with. So firstly, the most powerful thing you can do to me, this is my, you know, I am not a therapist, uh, not by any means. However, I am an expert, an expert in the effects of, of abuse. I mean, that's just the best way I can put it. And to me, the most powerful thing that you can do is to arm yourself with knowledge, understand what it is that you're going through. If you literally Google will tell you a lot, right? So if you just look to see what it is that you're going through, okay, when I was a child, I dealt with neglect. So I was like left in a room my whole entire life or something like that, heaven forbid. And then if you know that neglect causes depression, and if you know that depression, well, me looking up depression, I did this whole study on depression. I wanted to heal myself from depression. I didn't even want to be a part of that. Um, So I found out that depression is uh, is a continuous conscious negative thoughts that you pour into yourself. So continuously telling yourself, thoughts that are negative, you know, being negative about your circumstances, being negative about your surroundings, being negative about, um, relationships in your life, whatever, and continuously feeding that to yourself. It's going to change your thought process about yourself and the world. And slowly, the more that you start doing that, then it starts changing your whole demeanor, the whole way that your your whole outlook on life. And then your your mind starts believing that you actually are those things that you're saying about yourself and that you are inside of those feelings, even though they're not even real. So in that, I know that now if I start getting in a funk, I know I've created that own funk because the truth is I have two healthy children. I have a great job and I, you know, I have use of my whole entire body. I can go work out. I can do this. There's literally so many things for me to be thankful for. So if I start feeling like I'm in a funk or I'm in a depression, I start building myself up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, God, you've got this. And you know what? I'll go to QT and let some guys compliment me or whatever I've got to do to just get myself built back up so that I can carry on about my day. So sometimes that's the best thing you can do is arm yourself with knowledge, what it is that you're going through and how you can impact that in your own life. The next thing is going to be understanding that your life is going to be interesting and accept that your life is going to be interesting. It's going to be all over the place because of the way that your mind works. And some of the the 
greatest things about that for me, like I mentioned, when I get manic and I get totally excited about something, whatever, that fuels me to do crazy things. This podcast going to be one of those things. Like this is something that I got super excited about. I'm like, my God, I, I am healing. I am healing through this process. I am going through all of the motions of this. And that's what got me excited. I realized in my 20s, everything was detrimental. And when I really started digging, I'm like, no, I'm going to write this book. And no, I'm going to face every single one of these things. And no, I'm going to read about this. And no, let me understand this. And I'm going to listen to psychology podcasts. And I'm going to listen to praise and worship. And I'm going to put myself in church. And I'm going to make sure I'm there every day, every Sunday or whatever, to make sure that I am doing the things that are going to heal me. And that's what gets me pumped up. So with that, all of this is crazy, right? And then because of all that, I get all excited about, let me share this with other people. You can heal. You can totally come out of this. You can totally come out of this. So outside of that, outside of the understanding and knowledge of that, use some of those things that are so crazy that make you unique and use them to your advantage. If it's creative, uh, creativity, is if it's thoughts that are just seem so mind-blowing and crazy, then use those thoughts and use your freaked outness and (laughs) whatever you want to call it to fuel that and turn it into something. Um, A good good thing that I saw recently and a good example, I guess I can say, um, I saw an interview that was with David Letterman and Kanye West. And Kanye was talking about his issues with dealing with bipolar. And he doesn't take his medicine. And he said, when I take my medicine, it makes me feel not myself or whatever, kind of the same as I mentioned. And he said, but when I'm not, he's like, he's like, I feel like one with the world. Or he was using like words like that. And one of the statements that he said, he said, if you guys want these crazy ideas, crazy stages, crazy music, and this crazy thinking, there's a chance it might come from a crazy person. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. Like, that's it. That is an amazing thing to say for anybody who is feeling in their own head crazy. It's not always crazy. You know what I mean? Sometimes we see those things and we're like, oh God, that's a little weird. And then we're like, but it's amazing. And it is. If there wasn't people that thought outside of the box and got outside of the norm, then there wouldn't be all the amazing, crazy things that we have. You know, so don't always look at it as a negative thing. You don't have to be normal and baseline and go with the flow, you know, to succeed in life. In fact, it's probably quite the opposite. Get out of your get out of your zone and use those things. Uh, to fuel you through your life and make it amazing. Another thing uh, that I do, as and I mentioned this, and it kind of co- coincides with that, is channeling the stresses. So whatever those stresses are, you know, start lining them up, being mindful of what they are, and really just ride it. Just ride that wave, whatever it is. Um, I can, I guess a good example would be um, a job. If you're just, if you find yourself that you're just constantly filling yourself with negativity about the job that you're doing and I hate this and and this is painful and I, I don't like my boss or I don't like this and I don't like this, then that's a good moment to ride the wave of just making a leap and filling out applications for something else completely different. Do something completely different. Like ride that wave and don't drown in all of those thoughts and all of those worries and all of that. Ride the wave and do whatever it is that's going to get you away from that. Do it, you know, do it and see how that helps you. Um, Another example that I can use would be like in my 30s, I was just working an office job and I just really started wanting to do makeup. I'm like, I would love to do makeup. I enjoy doing it. So I was like, I can't afford it. So I went to 
this community college and I took drawing classes because I'm like, that'll help with makeup. And then I used the financial aid to help pay for the makeup classes. And then from that, I started um, doing character makeup for Halloween and airbrushing and all that stuff. So during the weekends for like the Halloween weekend, I would do that, make 700 bucks. And then that went towards Christmas. And so now those crazy thoughts that are just weird and out of sorts or whatever, um, became monetary for me. So those are things that you can do that seem a little weird. They seem out of character. And I got all fired up. I remember that. I was totally like, this is what I'm going to do with my entire life or whatever. Now it's just a hobby and I enjoy it. And then I was like, okay, airbrush. So now let me take tanning airbrush certification classes. And so now I'm certified to, (laughs) to airbrush tan, like it's random and whatever, but why not? Why not? Right. So, um, Managing stresses in a healthy manner, and I just talked a little bit on that, but those negative addictions, so when you're feeling the need to drink and smoke um, or do high-risk behavior, um, a good thing to do is just to replace those with healthy addictions. And now drinking to me, it's not a bad thing if you have control of it. If you're doing it to combat stress, not a good thing. Me, if I want to have some wine to just wind down or whatever, then that's fine. But when I realize that, man, I've just got to have a drink, I've got to have a drink, and it's more than once a week that I'm feeling the need to do that um, as a stress replacement, um, that's when now I'll go to the gym. And that's something that's been so helpful to me. I'm like, okay, instead of totally ripping down all the great things that I've done in my workout routine or whatever, now I'm just going to build on it instead of just taking steps back because I feel stressed out. And exercise is known to help with all kinds of things like self-esteem, positive self-reflection. It heals depression. Like exercise has so many things that embody healthiness on every single level. So if this is something that's not you, if you're not all about that exercise life or whatever, just get out and go for a walk. Get you some vitamin D. Do something that's going to help with that. Also, be mindful of your food consumption. Um, So that's something to me that people are like, you know, okay, that's so, you know, maybe that's vanity or whatever. Um, But it's not. Um, this has 100% to do with health. You've got to take care of yourself. And if you are managing stress by stuffing your face or the opposite, um, keeping yourself from food, neither one of those things are good. You've got to be eating healthy. And so it's good to find an accountability partner. I have friends that will tell me when I've gone too far. (laughs) I'll say, hey, let's get back to the gym or whatever. And that's a great thing because I can do that for them. They can do that for me. And I find that finding somebody that's very strict on me um, is super helpful for me. It's what I need. And so, you know, some people think that, you know, I I got this on my own, yada, yada. If you realize that you don't have it on your own, there's nothing bad about hiring a trainer or just telling somebody, telling one of your friends, hey, if you see me start looking a little crazy, like help me get back in line or whatever, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, hobbies. I talked a little bit about that. I I did drawing and stuff like that. Did I did uh, makeup and those were things that really really fueled a fire inside of me and completely took away from stress in those moments. There, I am not thinking stress whenever I am drawing. I'm not thinking stress when I'm going for a run. I'm not thinking stress when I'm singing. There's all the different things that you can do, hobbies that you can pick up that will take you completely away from that. Reading, get yourself a good book, something that will totally enthrall you. Like right now, I'm totally, totally consumed 
with all things psychology, because I am on this adventure to heal myself. So that's something that has become so healing to me because not because of what psychology is, but because when I read that because of this, this can happen because of this, your brain is changed. I'm like, what? And it blows my mind and I suddenly don't feel crazy. So I'm enthralled in that right now. Now, clearly you can do something that's, you know, a fiction book and just totally get lost in that. That's a great thing too, you know? And I've also been mindful, like if there's something that's totally overwhelming me, this podcast, this particular one has been so painful. And so I had to take two days and just stop because I noticed that I was connecting really, really closely to some of the negative parts of it. And so I had to just step away. And then coming back to it, you know, it, well, those times, the times that I stepped away, I had the greatest days ever just spending time with my girls and just doing fun activities. And it took me away from just the thoughts of, of all of this, you know, the pain from it. So sometimes you have to do that. Just do something completely to take your mind off of anything that's stressful. Um, meditation. So meditation, of course, it sounds crazy. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because two years ago, I don't think that I would have even read anything on meditation, but now I do that and it helps me fall asleep. And it's silly stuff. Like I'll just go and I'll just Google meditation and pull something up and it'll be like, slowly think about your toes and wiggle your toes. And how does that feel? Think about how that feels or whatever. And it's weird. And then I'm like, I am literally thinking of nothing but my toes right now. And it's the greatest thing. And for regular people that don't deal with this kind of stuff where you're overly stressed and you're going out of control with your thoughts, you might not understand that. But for somebody who deals with exactly what I'm talking about, thinking about just your toes is one of the greatest things that can happen at night when you're just trying to fall asleep. So this is something that is new to me. I don't know a whole lot about meditation, so I can't really even speak on it. Um, but jump in on it, go on Spotify, Google that, whatever you need to do, um, and do some little meditations at night. It's super helpful. And it's, it's pretty cool to just slow down. And it's really, really helped me with this. So the bottom line, toxic stress is overwhelming. It is a major public health concern, but you can totally control it. You can totally take care of this portion of that. Um, the, uh, clearly, all the early stages of everything I was talking about with what causes this, that's the painful part, you know, and going through everyday life, it is exhausting. I understand that. I know that very, very well, but I am prime example that you can move forward from it. And I'm not going to lie. There are, there are setbacks all the time. Like this podcast, as I mentioned, as I was going through this, there were parts where I it felt like I was just falling apart. So I understand it. It's real. It's real. This is real. But you can see your way through it. You have to do things that are going to help you continue each and every day. And you'll move on through it and then not become a statistic because that's what we're really, really aiming at. So uh, if you want to take the quiz, the ACEs quiz, there are multiple places that you can do it. But two of the places um, that that I was actually doing a lot of research on uh, was npr.org and then acestohigh.com. And acestohigh.com has a ton of information um, on all of those different um, adverse childhood experiences as well. So if this has kind of caught your attention, you're like, Let me, I want to learn more. I want to know more about this. Feel free to go there and do a whole lot of reading because it's 
it's got just a ton of information there. Again, thank you so much for tuning into all of that trauma. And please feel free to follow wherever it is that you are getting your podcast so that you do not miss out on future podcasts just like this one. And I cannot wait to see you here next time.